peace to this nation. It is only the Prince of Peace that can do so. The Word of God says in John chapter 14, verse 27, He says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives. Not as the world gives. Give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. For man, for the natural man, peace is the absence of war. But God says, it is not as the world peace I give. The peace that I give to you is a peace that surpasses human understanding. And that peace begins with you. So I want you to lift up your voice and say, Father, Father. send peace into my heart and into my life the peace that the world cannot understand in the name of Jesus. Father, send peace into my heart. Send peace into my life. The peace that the world cannot understand. Let my heart be settled with your peace. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, settle my heart with your peace. Settle my life with your peace. Let me not fret. Let me not be afraid of anything. Because you are Jehovah Shammah. Everything, everything, oh God, is in your hands. Father, I thank you. I bless you. I give you glory. Thank you, O Lord, for garrison my heart with your peace. I declare it is well with me. It is well with our nation. It is well with our church. Thank you, Father Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Please turn to the person to your left and to your right and say, it is well. Say it like you mean it. It is well. You may be seated in God's wonderful presence. Good morning, church. Choir, thank you very, very much. The best choir in Lagos. Amen. Good. We are continuing in our series, which we started some weeks back. Had a break, a couple of weeks break because of the convention. Uh, so we are going to continue from where we stopped. And um, if you have your Bible, please turn with me to John chapter 2. I will read from verse 1. John chapter 2. The message is titled, When the Wine Runs Out, part 3. When the Wine Runs Out, part 3. John chapter 2 verse 1 I read on the third day there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples when the wine ran out the mother of Jesus said to him they have no wine Jesus said unto her woman what have I to do with thee Mine hour is not yet come. His mother said unto the servants, Whatsoever he said unto you, do it. 
And they were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three first kings apiece. Jesus said unto them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, Draw out now, and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Father, as we take these few moments to share your word, speak to our hearts. Amen. Give us hearing ears. Let every imagination before now that had exalted itself above the knowledge of your word be cast down. Let your word be enthroned upon our hearts and release upon me grace and unction to speak your word with boldness that it may give life to its hearers. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. When the wine runs out. For the benefit of those who perhaps were not with us in some of the previous services, I will do a quick recap so that you can follow from where we stopped. Now, the scripture figuratively uses wine to symbolize quite a number of things. Wine is used to symbolize the Holy Spirit. We see in the book of Acts chapter 2, when the new church gathered, when the new church was birthed, everybody within that community looked and said that the early Christians were drunk. Now, the response of the early Christians, the disciples of Jesus Christ, was not to say to them, they are not drunk. But their response was to say to them, they are not drunk like you think that they are drunk. They are drunk with the wine of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit symbolizes, sorry, wine symbolizes the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, oh my God, the wine is also used to symbolize the blood of Jesus. Whenever we partake in the communion, uh, Jesus himself told us that my, this wine is my blood. So the wine that we drink when we are part of the sacrament is the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Wine is also used to symbolize the gospel. The scripture says in Isaiah chapter 55 verse 1, it says, Oh, everyone that tested, come to the waters. And he that has no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. So wine also is used to symbolize the gospel. Wine also symbolizes the elating or the stimulating, the lively and the joyful lift of the Holy Spirit. Wine also symbolizes that. We are told in the Bible, in the book of Ephesians, be ye not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, 
but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. So closely tied to this elating and lively, stimulating lift of the Holy Spirit, we have been dwelling on the topic of passion. Wine also symbolizes passion. Passion. For those who have ever been drunk, for those who have ever tasted wine, they are with the one that has alcohol, you know that sometimes it gives you some kind of boldness. They call it Dutch courage. You know, the things you can't do ordinarily, you find yourself being able to do them. So wine symbolizes or represents passion. Amen? We are dwelling on passion because passion is very key to every area of life. I had mentioned before that the creative force behind anything good in life is passion. Anything that motivates, anything that is worth your consideration, anything that is worth your pondering on, anything that could, could generate interest in a man, be rest assured that that thing came out of passion. Amen? And nothing great is ever accomplished in life without passion. Without passion. Nothing great. We learned that passion mobilizes an army. Passion drives a people or a nation to patriotism, uh, which is one of the things we learn from the United States of America. That is a country that understands what it means to motivate their citizenry. You see every now and then the president of the country has what is called the State of the Nation Address. They use that to galvanize the people and motivate them towards patriotism for their nation. Amen? Passion motivates ordinary people to become extraordinary people. Passion is what drove David to challenge Goliath. Passion. While others were shaking and they were wondering, how are we going to deal with this giant? A young man, 20 years of age, maybe younger, rose up and said, you, you cannot defy the armies of God. Passion. Passion. On the negative side, passion is what drives people to tie a bomb on their waist and blow themselves up. Passion. You can see passion does a lot of things. So passion moves us. Passion motivates us. The Jesus, Jesus, our Lord, who is our perfect example, we are told, was filled with compassion. Compassion. Passion was what led him to the cross. And he gave up his life for you and I. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, we understand that passion is key. And I tell you that one of the things that the devil tries to do the most is to steal your passion. Because he understands that when a man has no passion, the desire to live is not there. He understands that very well. In John chapter 10 verse 10, the Bible says, he came to kill, to steal you know, he came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. What he came to do primarily is to steal your passion. And Jesus came that we may have life 
and have abundant life. So we recognized in the previous services that there are passion thieves, things that steal our passion so that life will not be joyful and life will not be meaningful. And one of the things we recognized was an unclear purpose. Unclear purpose. Here we recognize that life is too short to spend it on something that does not feed your passion. Whatever you do, find your passion and feed your passion. Your job is not your purpose. Your job could be an indication of your purpose, but your job is not your purpose. Amen? Oftentimes, we find out that we make choices on our careers and jobs based on our natural inclinations. That is true, without a doubt. Very true. Peter was a fisherman. And he turned from being a fisherman to becoming what? A fisher of men. Paul was an erudite lawyer. And Paul wrote the epistles trying from the mind of God, the way no unlearned person could have done. I apologize if I call anybody who's not a lawyer unlearned, but that is good. Nobody could have written the epistles just like Paul did. Jesus Christ was a carpenter, and it turned out that he came to put lives together that had been battered by sin. So oftentimes, your natural or your secular vocation may, just may be an indication of what your purpose is, but that is not your purpose. Amen? Praise the Lord. We establish that when purpose is not clear, when you do not know what your purpose in life is, it is a sure recipe for quenching your passion. Another passion thief we recognize, I'm just trying to do a quick recap, is an unnourished or an undernourished soul. Since no man can run full steam all of the time, there's always a need to replenish. Always. Just like you drive your car and if you have driven it for two or three days, depending on where you go to and come from, you will need to refuel. Just as you use your phone and after you've used it for a while, you will need to recharge the same way man needs to replenish. Amen? Why? Because every day we face distractions. Every day we face challenges. Every day we face discouragements. Every day we face disappointments. We face problems. We face pressure. We face conflicts. We face confusions. We face failures. Either failures that are direct on us or on other people that impact our lives. We face all of these things every day. And all of these have a way of dissipating or taking strength away from us. And they are parts of the realities of our existence on earth. God does not save us and place us on an island so that no trouble will come to us. No, he saves us and puts us amongst men. Men that are filled with trouble. So our souls have to be nourished every day of our lives because we are born in fuel. 
We are pouring out. Something is going out of us. Virtue is leaving us on a daily basis. That is why we have to replenish. And the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, it says that God created man. And when he created man, he put his breath in man. And man became a living soul. So the real you is your soul. It is important that you feed your soul. And no wonder the Bible calls the word of God the bread of life. We must feed our souls with the bread of life. Without the word of God that gives us strength both for now and for eternity, there's just as far as we can go. And we said in those previous services, some people might say, well, but I'm carrying on in life. I'm doing well. I've not been reading the word of God. I'm fine. But you see, sometimes you do not know what you are missing until you have tried it. Try the word of God. It's a love letter to you. And you will see the strength that comes from the word of God. Today, we will talk about ingratitude as a passion thief. Ingratitude as a passion thief. Did you hear me? Ingratitude. No one of us is immune from the storms of life. Absolutely no one. There will be at least for every man, every man or woman, for as long as you live, a day of evil. It's not a prayer, but it's a reality. Not just even a day for some, several days of evil for some. There will be for every man on the face of the earth. Now, how you handle that day of evil will determine your lifting and how far you will go. Jesus himself, by the Holy Spirit, said to us in John chapter 16, verse 16, John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, in this world you shall have tribulation, but what? Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer. You know, the master in his wisdom says to us, don't just be of cheer, but be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. When we face tribulations, because <laughs> the reason why you have to be of good cheer is because whatever tribulation you face could have been worse. Does that make sense? Life is all about perspective. That is life. That is why two different people can be faced with the same issue and they see it from different angles. And both of them could be right. Both of them could be right. Two people are sacked from their job. One sees it that my life is finished. While another one sees it that this is an opportunity for me to begin new things. Both of them are right. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We say Nigeria is finished, Nigeria is horrible. And of course we know that lots of youth have checked out of the country. I, I re was reading somewhere that said, was it, what bank was that, Guarantee Trust Bank? That last year alone, about 165 or 185 of their staff have emigrated to Canada. Because things appear so gloomy. 
But do you know that there's still so much to thank God for for Nigeria? The American intelligence agencies looked at Nigeria and said, by 2016, I mean, of course, you know that they're one of the best in the world. By 2016, Nigeria will be scattered. But we are still here. That is something to thank God for. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. You can choose how you want to see things. It's a choice. You can see things for good or you can see them for worse. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 15. The New Living Translation says, Proverbs 15 verse 15. It says, for the despondent every day brings trouble. The despondent is the hopeless. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. Which means for the one who is hopeless, every day is hopeless. For the one who is happy, there is always a reason to what? Rejoice every day. You know, I, I shared it before. I, I, I once saw, it's no longer there, a billboard on Lekki Express, which, which reads, on uh, I think where um, Owando or Enyo filling station is. It says, God never stopped being good. We only stopped being grateful. At no time has God stopped being good. It is us that has stopped being grateful. You know, we said that some things we have to learn, something we must know about gratitude, is that gratitude is a learned behavior. You learn how to be grateful. You learn, you learn it. You practice it. Gratitude takes an effort to keep. And there is always a reason to be grateful. Always. The one who has no shoes can at least thank God that he has legs. The one who has no legs can at least thank God that he has life. The one who has no car can at least thank God that there are buses to ride on. There is always something to be grateful for. So gratitude is learned. And guess what? Ingratitude is also a learned behavior. Are we together? It takes effort to remain ungrateful. And there will always be something for you to be ungrateful for. Always. The choice is ours. So the key word is perspective. 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 The way you see things. That is what perspective means. In Psalm 107, I will read it. It's a beautiful psalm I will encourage us to meditate on in our quiet time, Psalm 107. I will read it to a part, not all. From verse 1, it says, Psalm 107, verse 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is what? Good. For his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he had redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered them out of the lands, from the east, from the west, from the north, and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. God never shuts his ears to the cry of mercy. And he led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation, 
Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfied the longing soul and filled the hungry soul with goodness, such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because he rebelled against the words of God and contemned the counsel of the Most High, Therefore he brought down their hearts with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. They cried unto the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and break their bands in sunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he has broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron in sunder. That's where that song came from. Oh, that men should praise the Lord. Oh, that men should praise the Lord. For his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. To the children of men For his goodness and for his wonderful works To the children of men To the children He has broken the gates of brass And turned the bars of iron in sunder The gates of brass and turn the bars of iron in summer. Verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for his good. We just dwell on verse 1. For his mercy endures forever. Every child of God must settle it in their hearts that God is irredeemably and unrepentantly good. I want that to sink into our spirits. God is irredeemably and unrepentantly good. If you carry that at the back of your mind, you will understand that even when you face challenges, the goodness of God will show up. Goodness, goodness is a tool of friendship. Goodness and kindness. If you find any man, any woman who has lots of friends, check out, look into their lives. You will see that by nature that they are good people. They are kind people. And that is the nature of God. God is good and he is what? Merciful. Amen? Nothing happens to us without the permission of God. A case in hand is Job. Nothing could happen to Job until God gave the permission. Because the world we live in operates by a system of permission. For the hair of your head to be touched, God must give permission for it to be touched. And oftentimes when God gives the permission, it is because he wants to what? Train you on something. Am I making sense? As difficult as that may sound, it is true. 
You call it suffering. But God calls it what? Training. You know? The reason why we need to imbibe this. There is a proverb. Not a proverb. It's saying that the cow that runs from the headsman, from the shepherd, and say, I'm tired of that. You know what shepherds do? Why? They will eat with stick. And says, I'm tired of this. I want to run to the butcher. What will be the fate of the cow? Whatever is happening in your life, don't run from the hands of God. Because where you are running to, trust me, can never be better. Never. Praise the Lord. Because God has designed it that maturity comes through what? Adversity. That is the training school that God has put us in this life. That for you to be matured, you must be matured through adversity. And that is why Paul said in James chapter 1, verse 2. James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh what? Patience. But let patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. You know, there are so many things that have happened to me. At the time I was going through them, they were most unpleasant. Trust me. But when I look back now, after so many years, I am glad that I passed through them. I don't necessarily pray to go through the same again. I don't necessarily pray that similar things will come. But the truth of the matter is that when I look back in years, I thank God that I went through them. Because those things I went through have made me today a better person. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? If you don't have patience, you cannot walk with God. One good mark of spiritual maturity is patience. Without patience, you will be prone to making mistakes and irrational decisions. Without patience, you cannot be contented. Without patience, you cannot be thankful or grateful. You cannot. Because God is good, we must be thankful in all situations and circumstances. To be thankful or to be grateful, you must be a person of faith. You must be a person that trusts in the promises of God. What is faith? Faith simply is believing that all things will work out for your good. No matter how bad they may seem, this one will work out for my good. Faith is believing that what God has said, God will do it. It may not happen today. It may not happen next week. It may not happen next year, but God will do it. The word of God will surely come to pass. You know, when Jesus walked on the earth, he told his disciples that he will be crucified. He will die a gruesome death. But on the third day that he was going to rise, and indeed he was crucified. At the time he was crucified, all of his disciples became despondent. They felt hopeless because deep down in their hearts, they really did not believe they had thought that the Jesus they were following was going to be a political king. So when Jesus resurrected and showed up to them, appeared to them, they were all in disbelief. They were amazed. 
And Jesus was saying to them, why are you amazed? I told you that this would happen, but you did not believe me. In fact, the Bible tells us that when he showed up to them, there was one man called Thomas who was not with them. And they told him that Jesus showed up, and what was his comment? He said, ah, until I see the nail in his hands where he was pierced, and where he was pierced on his side, I'm not going to believe Oh, And what did Jesus do? Jesus showed up a second time when they were gathered. The Bible says that the doors were locked, and he just showed up. And he called Thomas, feel my hand. Because he understands the human nature. That we are by nature, our natural tendency is to doubt. Feel my hand, feel my... And when he did that, Thomas said, ah, Lord. Jesus said to him, he made a profound statement to him. He said, oh, now you believe. See what he said to him in John chapter 20, verse 29. John 20, 29. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Now hear this. But blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. We are meant to walk by faith and not by sight. Things may not be working out for you as you wish. But trusting in the goodness of God is to say, this too will end in praise. Trusting in God is believing that that challenge will end in your triumph. Brethren, the ability to keep your faith when the evidence is contrary is a gift. When everything appears the opposite of what you desire, but yet you hold on, is a gift. And that is what is called faith. In the Bible, 12 men were sent to spy out a land. 10 out of the 12 had a completely different perspective, while another two had a different perspective. And each one of them were right. 10 came and said, ah, they were giants in the land. And they were correct. They were giants in the land. Two came and said, ah, there are giants in the land, but our God is bigger and stronger than the giants. And they were also correct. It is a matter of what? Perspective. How you want to see it. Because the truth is, the reason why a good number of us do not thank God is because we choose to stare our problems in the face. And our problems become greater and bigger than all of the things that God has done for us. The only way you can counter doubt in your life is through the omnipotence of God. No matter how challenging the situation may be, no matter how impossible, all you require is to go down on your knees and say to God, Lord, there is nothing impossible with you. When you understand and appreciate that, what happens? It becomes easy to be thankful to God. Very easy. Because what the devil always uses to diminish our gratitude to God 
is always places on our faces the things that we don't have. Always. He always shows you the things that you don't have. Ah, your mates are here. You are not yet there. Your mates have this, but you have not been able to achieve this. So it keeps your eyes on the things you don't have and it takes your eyes away from the things that God already has done. That is why the songwriter says, count your blessings. Name them one by one and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. I want you for a moment this morning to turn your eyes away from the things you don't have and focus them on the things that God has made available for you. He has given you breath. I can say with all manner of confidence that anyone who is seated here, the fact that you are seated here means that God has done something for you. There are some people who are breathing through tubes now, but you are not one of them. No matter what, no matter what the position of your bank account may be, God is still good. It only takes God one day to bridge the gap of a lifetime if you learn to trust him. We've heard it several times. David woke up one morning as an ordinary person. He slept that night as a king, an anointed king. It takes God a moment to turn a man's life around. But when you are not there for him, he may not be able to do it for you. Stand strong. Learn every day. Because gratitude is a learned behavior. Learn to count your blessings. Learn to count them. Learn to look at the things that you have. Learn not to compare yourself with people. Because every one of us has a different race. And joy will flood your heart again. The peace of God will flood your heart. In the mighty name of Jesus. Shall we stand? I want us to just pray one prayer. But before we pray that prayer, I want to make this invitation to anyone who is here who has not come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You have not accepted him as Lord and as Savior. The Bible tells us he is the prince of peace. The peace he gives is not like the world gives. The peace he gives is the one that the world cannot understand. There may be turmoil, there may be challenges in your life. But the only one who can calm that storm in your life is the prince of peace. And he's extending an invitation to you this morning to join his family. If you are here and you know that if you were to drop dead now, you will not make it to heaven. I just want you to wave your hand at me and I'll pray with you a very short prayer. Is there anyone here who's saying, Jesus, I want you in my life as my Lord and my Savior? Anyone? Okay. We'll pray. Father, I thank you because you are bigger than every problem that I have seen or that I can ever see. Because your thoughts 
for me are thoughts of peace to give me a hope and a future. Impress upon my heart the grace to forever be thankful to you. Place in my heart an urgency, a need to be forever grateful and thankful. Talk to the Lord. Father, you are bigger than any problem that I have seen or can ever see. Your thoughts for me are thoughts of peace to give me a hope and to give me a future, a future that is glorious. That is why, Lord, I'm asking you today, impress upon my heart the grace to be forever thankful, the grace to be forever grateful. Impress it upon my heart so that my passion for life will rise, so that my passion for life will not dissipate in the name of Jesus. I will not be counted amongst the numbers of those who take their own lives because of discouragement and despair. Father, in the name of Jesus, fill my heart with gratitude. Open my eyes to see the things you have done for me, to number them, to count them, and to give you glory. Father, we thank you. Lord, we give you glory. Lord, we give you praise. And so shall it be. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Almighty Father, we bless you. We come before you this morning asking that you garrison in our hearts. Protect us from every dart and attack of the enemy. Every ploy of the enemy to steal our joy. Every ploy of the enemy to deplete our passion. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we stand by the blood of Jesus. And we say, put them far away from us. Fill our hearts, O God, with gratitude. Fill it with a need and an urgency to be grateful. For everything you are doing for us. Make us sensitive to your goodness. That indeed our lives will be a praise of you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. We can do.